Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, folks. Since we last spoke, um, the American Civil War, unfortunately, has uh, kicked up uh, another notch or a couple. And uh, with the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, the recent um, just non-indictment in the case of Breonna Taylor, and a couple of other things, it's looking um, worse and worse in terms of, not necessarily in terms of who will win and who, who, who may win and who may lose, but worse in terms of the severity of the war itself. And clearly, a severe war is not in anyone's interest, and it's not something that uh, any of us should be wishing for regardless of the outcome and nevertheless here we are and it's looking like it's go that, like the struggle is going to be more and more severe more and more violent and that the forces that are arrayed against us against the republic um, are more and more serious about destroying it and uh, as they themselves say, uh, totally transforming it, or in other words, burning it to the ground. And let's just kind of, uh, it's important to keep tabs. I, I always say, if you don't want to be boiled like a frog, maybe stick a thermometer in the water and have a little bit of memory and notice, you know, you need two tools. You need a thermometer and you need a stopwatch or any kind of watch, time measuring device. And the reason is that you want to know what the temperature was a certain amount of time ago and maybe you can make a mental chart of how quickly the temperature is rising, what is the gradient of the rise of the temperature as as function of time. And with that in mind, you should be able to predict what may happen in the near future and in the not so near future and whether in fact you, the frog, will survive what's coming. If you don't have a thermometer and a stopwatch, there's no, you, you, you're living in the present, and the present somehow doesn't seem to be too bad. You know, we humans have, a, have an amazing evolutionary capacity for adapting, and so what we do is we adapt, and normally it's a very good thing, except if we if we don't use the other tool that uh, God gave us our brains and and our memory and we just adapt to live in the present uh, our fate is going to be like the proverbial boiled frog in other words not so good as President Trump may say so we need to keep tabs of what has been happening and uh, with that in mind and, and when we do that we can understand how bad things really are. They don't seem to be so bad because we got used to them. And we were getting used to them quickly, too quickly. We are adapting too quickly. We are accepting things too quickly that we should never 
have accepted in the first uh, place. And there are many, many examples of it. So what has happened recently is um, uh, with the death of uh, RBG, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, President Trump and Mitch McConnell rightly said, well, the situation right now is that um, the presidency and the Senate, uh, the two, the only two deciding bodies when it comes to uh, appointing and installing Supreme Court justices, uh, are on the same side of the political aisle, i.e. in Republican hands, which is a very different situation than with Merrick Garland, when the presidency was held by the Democrats, Barack Obama, and the Senate majority was Republican. But now both the presidency, the White House, and the Senate are Republican. And with that in mind, there is no reason why uh, there should not be a new justice installed um, uh, in the Supreme Court even before the election. Uh, and um, not only that, but uh, because, and precisely because, the Democratic side has been adamant about making this election uh, a total circus of uh, ballots coming from God knows where, in other words, the American, every, everywhere else in the world that I've ever participated in elections or even heard of elections, there is substantially an election day. So, for example, in Israel and Canada, there is an election day. So, you show up, you show your ID, your picture ID, and you show up in, in, a, in, a, in a precinct, in a, in, a, in a polling station that was assigned to you, otherwise you won't be able to vote, and you show your picture ID, which is cross-referenced with your name of the, of the voters, potential voters that were assigned to that particular polling station, and only if your picture matches your face and your name associated with that picture matches uh, what is in that book, you're allowed to go and vote. That's on that same one day, that's all. That's how elections are held you know, pretty much everywhere. In America, elections have now become a circus that takes, oh, I don't know, two or three months. People are already voting, they're sending their votes by mail, they're getting absentee votes, they're doing all kinds of things like that. Election day is about to lose its meaning as the day in which elections are actually decided. And there's, and there's lots of jurisdictions that are now deciding that they will keep counting votes arriving from God knows where, with or without signatures, vote, you know, the signatures of the voters, with or without you know, postage dates on them, postmarking dates, and they're going to be counting them anywhere from uh, five days to nine days to 14 days after November 3rd, the supposed day of the election. And uh, the, the Biden camp is already hiring you know, hundreds of lawyers, and they're going to be hiring hundreds more. And clearly, everybody, clearly what the Democrats want is to make this election into um, a show of, uh, into a circus, and uh, specifically into a legal circus. And since there is no time for any of this to go through all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, lower courts, it will all end up uh, quickly in the Supreme Court. Well, if the Supreme Court is substantially non-functioning with only eight 
justices, what then? Uh, and that, we, that cannot be allowed to happen. So because of that, it, clearly we need nine justices and, and there's no reason why a justice would not be, uh, uh, would not be uh, nominated by the president and voted on by the Senate. Well, Chuck Schumer, the, the, the Democratic mi minority leader in the Senate, says if, uh, if uh, Mitch McConnell proceeds along these lines, uh, it will be the end of the Senate, he said. No less than that, the end of the Senate. And already they're throwing every possible obstacle and every possible, they're sticking every possible stick that they can in the wheels of the work of the Senate on matters that do not relate to the, to the um, appointment of a Supreme Court justice just because they decided to throw a huge tantrum. And we all know why. I mean, they were relying on uh, Justice Ginsburg and um, on uh, John Roberts, uh, the supposed conservative chief justice, to vote in their favor and throw Trump out of office regardless of what the voters said. In other words, the Democratic plan for the election was uh, to execute substantially what Stalin said, that it doesn't matter, the vote, what matters is not who casts the vote, the votes, but rather who counts the vote. And the Democratic plan was to ignore um, uh, the Americans that uh, cast the votes and, and uh, put this in front of the Supreme Court uh, so that they could decide the election. And they were going to do that via all these fake mail ballots, and believe me, they all, they're all going to be fake, 100% fake. Uh, they'll be manufactured. It's, it's as simple as that. And so they were going to throw it in front of the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would be 4-4 with Justice Ginsburg, and then it would become a matter for John Roberts to decide who is going to be the President of the United States. In other words, this one guy would be the deciding vote, just one vote would decide who, who will be or who would be in this scenario the president. And there's no doubt in my mind, as well as I'm sure in yours, what John Roberts would do. He is a Bush guy and a Trump hater. And that's beside all these speculations that he's somehow compromised and that people have what's called compromat, compromising information on him, whether it's from pedophile island, you know, Epstein's island or, or something else. But even if that is not true, it doesn't matter. What is true is that John Roberts is a, is 100% is dyed in the wool, a Bush family guy, John McCain guy. He hates President Trump uh, and he loves the current system of uh, uh, um, corruption that exists in America because he has been the beneficiary of it for his entire life and he wants it to continue. So he would have, with his vote, uh, thrown President Trump out of office. Well, uh, things kind of changed now and now it's uh, eight justices but only three of whom are uh, liberal. Uh, so you do have uh, Gorsuch and, you know, the, the, the Trump appointees, uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, and then you have the two uh, staunch constitutionalists, Thomas and Alito. And in an in a, a in a, in a eight-justice court, um, 
they uh, already form a majority. In other words, even if John Roberts uh, joined with, and, he, and, and, and let's assume he would, with uh, Sotomayor and, um, and uh, um, uh, Kagan and Stevenson, he, th 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 there would still be a tie. And that's not enough to decide anything. So with, uh, if, when Trump appoints, uh, whether it's Amy Barrett or Legault or somebody else to the court, we can assume then that <clears throat> there should be a solid majority for the Constitution and for Trump should he win the actual real in-person election. And that is driving the Democrats up the walls. So the, 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 they... The, they ratcheted the, 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 the rhetoric on the political side to beyond overheated. Then on top of that, we have this situation now in the kind of on the front lines in the American cities where one thing is becoming clear. Facts don't matter. It doesn't matter, for example, like in the case of this Breonna Taylor, that what happened was that there was a warrant it was not a no-knock warrant. It was a regular warrant. It was executed properly by the three police officers who knocked on the door uh, of, an, of the apartment where uh, Brianna was uh, holed up with her drug-dealing boyfriend. They identified themselves as police officers and they were then shot upon or shot at by the drug-dealing boyfriend. Uh, in that situation, of course, uh, being uh, in fear of their lives, they defended their lives as they should, and they returned fire in which the boyfriend was wounded and Brianna was killed. None of this should ever have even been uh, brought to the attention of a grand jury because clearly it was a completely righteous shooting, and this should have been investigated like all shootings are by... Uh, the police authority, authorities in Louisville and Kentucky, and uh, uh, and that would have been it. These officers may have been put on a short administrative leave until such time as their actions could have been looked at, and then they should have been given their guns and badges back and put back on the streets to defend the law-abiding citizens of Louisville. But that is not what happened. Because of political pressure, and only because of political pressure, there was a, um, a grand jury investigation of the matter and um, uh, to his credit the african-american uh, uh, attorney general there followed the facts and uh, uh, the uh, and uh, kind of allowed the, the the jury the grand jury or or agreed with the grand jury's conclusion to submit only one somewhat unrelated charge it's also a bogus charge that will not survive the scrutiny of a trial that one of the officers fired wantonly, quote unquote, into the neighboring apartment. You know, when you are in a gunfight, it's very difficult. Only people who've never been in a gunfight can believe that you can control the trajectory of every single round you fire. Uh, however, people who have been in a gunfight, like yours truly here, understand that that's not to that's totally impossible. So. Uh, they wanted to do something and uh, they found this bogus charge. It's going to unfortunately cost that officer something to defend it and it will not be pretty. 
but he will win his court case. Um, however, these officers will no longer are no longer serving the good people of Louisville, and that's a shame. They should be, and maybe they will be again. Who knows? Uh, but so only one of the three was indicted, and it was an indictment on a somewhat un, on on something that does not relate uh, to Brianna Taylor's death. Well, these facts matter nothing to not only the Antifas and the BLMs and all these people running around and uh, shooting at police like they did yesterday in Louisville and so on, but also to the to people like Elizabeth Warren and high-level federal American politicians like senators who, uh, in total disregard of the facts of the matter, demand that something be done. Well, what should be done? The situation there is simple. Brianna Taylor made a poor choice to shack up with a violent gun dealer. Uh, sorry, drug dealer. And uh, the drug dealer made a very poor choice to fire at the police. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this drug dealer was only, vo only wounded, not killed. But his girlfriend was not so lucky. And that's all that happened. In other words, we, we, we are faced with two people, one of whom had a long criminal record, who uh, made the wrong choice and paid for it. And that's all. And more of this, folks, in the next segment. Stay tuned. Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. So we just stopped with uh, last, uh, the last segment with um, uh, a retelling of what happened with uh, um, Breonna Taylor and, and, and the mayhem in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and uh, just to recoup here, we are, we are faced with a situation where facts don't matter. In fact, facts are racist. Okay, Facts are unjust. Now think about it. The American jurisprudence system, which used to be the best in the world and uh, which underpins the American Republic. It underpins the Constitution. The American jurisprudence system is the absolute foundation upon which the American Republic stands. And what, this, and what is at the foundation of that foundation? In other words, what is at the foundation of the American jurisprudence system are facts. And, and uh, that's not necessarily true for every jurisprudence system in the world because uh, often uh, and unfortunately 
there are jurisprudence systems uh, which look not only at facts, but also at things like race, ideology, and so on. Well, the American jurisprudence system, which derives from the British common law, basically looks at facts and at a commonsensical interpretation of those facts based on justly and duly passed legislation by a duly elected legislative assembly. In other words, the Congress and the Senate and signed into law by, pres by the president. But facts are what matter. Not, not now, not now. Now we're getting into a situation where facts do not matter. And facts, in fact, are racist and unjust. In other words, according to this social justice system, if we, so if we look at the Brianna Taylor case, which is a representative case of this, from the perspective of the American jurisprudence system as it used to be, the facts are such, what the facts tell us is that uh, Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend made some unfortunate choices and maybe mostly her boyfriend and she, her, her, her unfortunate choice was perhaps just to be with him. But I think, I think she, we must assume that she full well knew who he was. And so she was complicit in making that choice. And finally, he decided to fire the police for which his girlfriend paid with his life and he was wounded. And uh, uh, the only crime that was committed, the only crime that was committed in that whole incident was his crime of firing on the police, for which he should be charged and put in jail likely for the rest of his life. Whether that happens or not is not a matter, but that's what should happen. Because the only one who committed the crime in that scenario was Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. Those are the facts. Those are the facts and there's nothing that can change these facts. So in America, how it used to be, things would be adjudicated according to these facts, but not any longer. If you look, if you look at it from the BLM Antifa social justice perspective, which is espoused not only by various low lives running on the street of Seattle and Portland and Louisville, but if you look at it from the perspective of even senior American politicians like Joe Biden himself, if he had half a brain or people who are pulling his strings and Elizabeth Warren, for example, people like that, AOC, of course. Well, how they interpret this incident is totally different. What they basically say is something like this. The police are racist and are, in, are put in place by racists for, in order to protect other racists. So in other words, nothing that the police does is legitimate. Okay, I, I repeat that. Nothing that the police ever does, whether it's local police, state police, or federal police, by definition, is ever legitimate in the eyes of these new social justice uh, warriors. And I say, to simply put, these are revolutionaries, neo-Bolsheviks, neo-Nazis. What they, what they say is that the police is never right. No matter what happens, the, no matter if the cops are black or white, this is not about race, how we used to think about it. Because on our side, we still say, well, wait a second now. 
this is not a race issue. I actually don't know if the cops were black or white, but we do know that the attorney general who uh, signed off on not charging them is black. Okay. Uh, and lots of police are black in America, of course, and lots of police chiefs and so on. So we look at this and say, well, this has, this has not to do with race. But again, the other side looks at this and says, it has everything to do with race. Because the police, no matter black, white, or anything in the middle, are always wrong. In the wrong, they're always pigs, they're always Nazis, and there's nothing they can do that is ever right or justified. Because they are defending a racist, unjust system. That's what these people say. Now, on the other hand, race does matter. Because had uh, Brianna and her boyfriend been white, nobody would have given two bits about them being killed or not killed or wounded or not wounded. But because they were black, and he's still black, still alive, they are righteous. So their criminality matters nothing. Okay, The only thing that matters is their skin color. So that's the way those uh, neo-Bolsheviks in America, the Antifas, the BLMs, look at it. They don't care about um, facts at all. Facts are nothing to them. They have an ideology which drives everything they do and colors everything they see. This is very similar to, let's say, Nazi Germany. You know, the, the Nuremberg Laws passed in Nazi Germany in the 1930s basically said that a group of people, namely the Jews, like myself, could, by definition, could not enjoy the protections of German law. In other words, you could substantially take everything that they had with impunity and even kill them with impunity because they were beyond the protection of the law just because they were Jews. Okay, I remember a documentary uh, one of the many documentaries made about the Holocaust, and in that one they were interviewing old Polish people, not Germans, Poles, uh, who lived through the period when Poland was occupied by Nazi Germany. And many Poles were righteous and hit Jews, but many more uh, actually were quite anti-Semitic and uh, assisted the Germans in the extermination of Polish Jewry. Anyway, so there was this old guy and he was just saying, listen, you know, when the Germans came, we just took whatever we wanted from the Jews and the life of a Jew was no better than the life of a rabbit in, in hunting season. Well, what Antifa, BLM and their political supporters are now saying in America is something very similar. They're saying, uh, if you are black and criminal, okay, so there is two parts to it. If you're both, if you're black and criminal, you are above the law. Okay. In other words, there is nothing that can be justifiably done to you. Okay. You cannot be hurt or harmed, even if you harm others. If you are black and criminal. Okay. On the other hand, if you work for law enforcement, whether you're black, white, or any other color, you are already a criminal and, some, and, and you should be uh, persecuted. 
and even killed. Okay, that's what they're saying. So forget about the fact-based, law-based American jurisprudence. We are now faced with something totally different. Now, in Louisville, Kentucky yesterday, um, or last night, I'm, I'm recording this show on Thursday, what, um, what happened was everybody knew. You know, everybody knew that these officers did absolutely nothing wrong. Everybody knew that the uh, grand jury, and, uh, uh, which is still bound by some sort of uh, allegiance to facts, and that the attorney general, who is a, a righteous and honor, honorable person, uh, would not return bogus indictments. Okay. Uh, everybody knew that. And everybody knew that as a result of those bogus, non, of, the, of not returning bogus indictments, uh, there would be rioting. And yet, the city of Louisville, the state of Kentucky, and the federal authorities took no action, no action to prepare for coming mayhem. And I would say even worse than that. If they had taken absolutely no action and let these neo-Nazi, BLM, uh, rioters, looters, and arsonists just go around and burn Louisville to the ground, maybe that would have been a better outcome. But instead what they did was they put regular police, not uh, properly or well enough armed, and with orders not to defend themselves, even with their own sidearms, they put them substantially like uh, cannon fodder, or like a human shield in front of these violent and armed soldiers of mayhem. Okay, And as a result of that, unsurprisingly, uh, police were shot at and wounded. And there are police officers, Louisville, Kentucky police officers that are now in hospital recovering from their, their wounds, I'm hoping. But you know that when you're wounded, it's not like you recover, that's it. That can happen. But more often than that, more often than that, if you're wounded by a gunshot, your life changes. You may never physically be the same as you were before. Your career, for example, as a police officer may be, may be over. Uh, we all know that police officers, you know, they go there not to just, you know, as they say, moonlight for a day or two. They go there as a, as a career, as a life choice. And that's why they have pensions and so on, right? So they, they basically say, you know what, we're going to put our lives on the line, but then, you know, we're going to have uh, job security, income security, and a nice pension that we can uh, trust that we would get, you know, when we retire, which would not be at a very old age, and maybe we can have a second career supported by this guaranteed pension. That's why many people choose to become police officers. Well, these police officers could very well be that their, that their career has been uh, destroyed by these, uh, shot, by these shots that they received, these wounds that they received, and by their own superiors who put them out there with no protection, not allowing them to protect and defend themselves. So why did it happen? It happened this way because our side in the civil war in America is not yet ready to defend itself.
okay it's not yet ready to defend itself you know the and the riots now in portland the molotov cocktails are being thrown massive ones at police and so on same in seattle so the civil war is in full swing and i can't help but feel that um president trump is kind of holding his powder dry possibly until election day itself or at least until close to it i have this feeling that i'm getting from him and maybe from attorney general barr as well you know how in movies you know when when you have these soldiers in uh, in, in in a trench and there is a cavalry charge coming at them and the and the commanding officer says steady now hold your fire let them come closer and it's quite a scary moment because you know these horses and 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 uh, are coming at you and 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 uh, all of that and and people are very anxious to to fire but they're being told to hold their fire to wait until it becomes more effective and i have a feeling that that's what uh, president trump is doing right now and we also know that these scenes of mayhem this ridiculous reimagining of america away from a lawful um, republic into a lawless dictatorship of the worst kind of human beings in other words the worst kind of human beings criminals opportunists power grabbers nazis bolsheviks those are the people that are now clawing their uh, way to the top of American society and they want to remake America into a totalitarian system in which everybody is enslaved to their will. Well, we are seeing now in the polls and elsewhere that even regular Americans are becoming wise to that scheme. In other words, uh, even those Americans who are not following the news very much and or even worse get their news from sources like CNN or even Fox News for that matter even they are becoming uh, for lack of a better word uh, you know red-pilled in other words even they are becoming aware that their way of life the way of life that is based on uh, law and justice and facts is being uh, threatened very very severely by this assemblage of very unsavory personages and uh, there is uh, at least anecdotal evidence that they are beginning to get worried upset afraid and that that may um, uh, those attitudes may come to the fore in uh, in, in how they vote and um, you know the Democrats the Democratic politicians the people who drive Biden and all of that lately have been trying to distance themselves from BLM and so on because it's it used to poll pretty well but no longer but it could be too late it, it seems to me like they have been branded with that brand and that they believe that that brand was good but now that it's become toxic I don't know that they can really shed it. In other words, it seems to me like 
Trump and Barr and so on are are willing to allow these barbarians to come just a little bit closer to our final line of defense. And that may be fine, but I would just say they'd better not be late with their order to fire. In other words, they'd better not be too late when they finally give the order for the children of light to fight back. And they better make sure that the children of light are well enough armed and well enough trained to fight back and defeat this onslaught because onslaught because there will be no second chance and we'll return after this short break it's your news and entertainment network News blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 Talk Radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. I guess one of the greatest attributes of uh, true leadership is um, the willingness and the ability to make sacrifices even when uh, you know that these sacrifices, in other words, what, what is being sacrificed are really good people, uh, but nevertheless being able to make those sacrifices uh, in order to win the final battle, in order to win the war. And I'm fervently hoping that this is the situation that we see now with unfolding in, in front of our eyes uh, with President Trump. Because, you know, when you hear about this bar or pub owner who defended his property and his life, with uh, the force of arms and killed some uh, soldiers of the devil uh, anyway which was his absolute right to do well of course he was charged and you know unlike the McCloskeys he couldn't he didn't have the kind of uh, stamina the 
the bravery, the psychological makeup to survive that charge and unfortunately took his own life. And um, that is just such a shame, right? And I see in him, to some degree, um, a kind of a sacrifice that was made by President Trump. And I just hope that that sacrifice would be proven, you know, worth it. In other words, that the death of this person, his suicide, and other such incidents, you know, that these wounded police officers that we were talking about in Louisville, and others, others like that, that the sacrifice that is being asked of them, and sometimes totally involuntarily, in other words, they're just being, in a sense, forced to make it, and sometimes it's the ultimate sacrifice, that it would be worth, uh, worth it in terms of both the election results and more importantly, uh, the real battle that will happen after the election and the final victory in this war uh, for the soul and the existence of America. So I very much hope that, you know, when, when military commanders sacrifice uh, personnel that is entrusted to them, they are um, they accrue a tremendous debt, right? They accrue a tremendous debt that can only be discharged when they be, when they are victorious in in battle, and or at least victorious in the total outcome of the war. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way, you know. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way, and 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 uh, that's just the unfortunate truth. But when it does happen, then those sacrifices become at least somewhat acceptable. So this is what is, you know, this is what is happening in America today. And um, uh, we can see that the period leading to, to the election and the period after the election are going to be exceedingly dangerous for many unsuspecting Americans. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about in this final segment. Um, I, th I hope that uh, next week we will bring back Tyler uh, Skapobas and um, talk more, talk uh, in detail about self-defense. We already had a very good show about self-defense in the home. And in our next show, we're going to talk about self-defense on the go. In other words, what firearms to carry on your person, in your car, and how to defend yourself, uh, how to use them to defend yourself if a uh, situation calls for it. But today, in, this, uh, in, in, in those final minutes of this broadcast, what I want to say, you know, there, there are people on Twitter, there's a pretty big account, that say leave it to the professionals you know don't don't ever carry a firearm don't engage and there's a lot of others who have this kind of bravado and say hey you know what you know if you if you ever come to my town you know uh and so on and so on you know you won't it won't end well for you well 
where is the truth, you know, or where is wisdom between these two poles? And what I would say is that this wisdom is found somewhere in between and, and this is more important, it's very um, dependent on you personally, my listeners, okay? So what I would say to you, uh, and you know, this show is all about giving you some options how you can choose to be free and obviously you cannot be free if you are either dead or uh, disabled or uh, put in prison because of um, you know something you did that you thought was righteous but unfortunately the powers that be right now in your jurisdictions may not share that you know idea and you may be charged with a crime and at the very least financially ruined or, or potentially lose your freedom. Uh, and I mean lose your freedom in a very real sense of being imprisoned. So what I would say, uh, you know, what I would say to you is as follows. If you want to um, carry a weapon with you and possibly be a part of some sort of neighborhood watch or, or you know, um, go to, to, to those places where, let's call them the front lines, you know. Well, you'd better then have the mindset of a soldier. Now, if some of you, my listeners, uh, are veterans and combat veterans, you know what I'm talking about. And of course, you know, I'm not really addressing you because you know what you have to do. But those of you who haven't experienced uh, this kind of mindset, then you really have to ask yourself, you know, can I be, can I acquire that mindset? In other words, can I, you know, if, if push comes to shove, will I be able to use my weapon? Not only technically, in other words, I strongly recommend that if you have a, a weapon, a firearm, you take a training course with it and so on. But you also have to remember that your two-day training course does not, and, 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 you know, no matter how many times you visit the gun range, and I recommend that you visit it as uh, often as possible because you'll only become better and because at least I think it's a lot of fun. But no, no number of visits to the gun range and no short uh, tactical course are going to impart on you the kind of mental preparation that a real soldier undergoes during his or her military training. And you have a lot to lose, my friends, I imagine. You know, you have families, you, you have to support them, you have children at home and so on. So what I would say to you is remember that the powers that be right now, even in uh, jurisdictions that might, one might think would be kind of conservative, like Kentucky, are arraigned against you. The, 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 the influence of 
Obama and even before him the Bushes and the Clintons, that corruptive uh, miasma that they spread across America, corrosive miasma that they spread across America uh, for decades, uh, means that the powers that be, the powers that be, I'm not talking about in the Oval Office or in the Department of Justice building on the top floor in Washington, D.C., but the powers that be in your neck of the woods are not your friend. Okay, they're not your friend. And they're not on the side of law and they're not on the side of justice. And you can see that in Louisville too, because even though the Attorney General was a very, or is a very righteous person and made the right decision, made an apolitical decision, made the correct decision, that still didn't stop Louisville from being looted and police officers from being shot. Okay, so, it, you know, the situation today in America is that uh, if you put yourself in a place where you have to defend your life with the force of arms, you cannot be guaranteed that the powers that be in your neck of the woods will be on your side, unfortunately. One of the things I most liked in America, because I'm, I wasn't born in America, you know, I'm not a Native American, <laughs> not, not meaning in the sense of, a, uh, you know, one of the people who came here from Siberia 10 or 12,000 years ago, but even in the sense of somebody who was born in America, which I was not. So I was looking at America from the outside for most of my life, and one of the things I most admired about it was the Second Amendment, and not only the right to keep and bear arms, but the right to use them in self-defense. And without all these considerations of, you know, am I using overwhelming force? You know, does this guy have a, only a 22 and I have a 45? You know, that kind of thing. You know, you had a right, you had, had in the past, had a right, or at least on the books, you have a right to defend your self and your property. But my friends, that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is that people who exercise that right to defend their, their, their lives and their property are being victimized and charged with crimes. See, look at the McCloskeys and that bar owner. Now, you know, everybody's different. The McCloskeys are very rich and very well politically connected. They also, perhaps luckily for them, didn't really have to use the guns that they had brandished. So they're going to do just fine. Because, yeah, because they didn't kill anybody and because they are also part of that American protected class, protected by money and by privilege. And they're fine. I, li I, I like them. I like what they did. It's, I'm not, again, not at all against them. I'm just saying they have the means to take care of themselves. But then you have people like that bar owner, or maybe just you, my listeners, who are not so lucky, perhaps. Most people aren't. I am not. And so, you know, we do have to consider what happens if we put ourselves in a position where 
we do something in defense of our lives and it's that's not how the powers that be perceive it and we get charged with a crime and uh, we, we get ruined financially and otherwise. And then there is another aspect, which is that um, unless, again, you've been trained to, to, to use deadly force, you can really never tell if you're going to be able to do it or not, right? And I feel like now if somebody tries to come to your home, that's another matter. But if you take yourself to a place where your life may be in danger, even for a very good reason, all, I, all I'm saying is I'm urging you to think about the balance of whether you may do good for the common cause, for our cause, for the cause of freedom, or you may actually put yourself in a situation where your own freedom and your own life and then also the well-being of your family may be endangered. And if that's the case, then uh, perhaps you should reconsider that course of action and trust in, uh, uh, in the president's ability to defend us and the president's and his team. And, uh, you know, in the, in, in the last uh, minutes of this, of this broadcast, I just want to say that while it looks like things are not going well in America, and it certainly does look, like, look that way, we have not yet fought the decisive battle. The decisive battle is close. It's uh, almost upon us, but it hasn't been fought yet. And uh, the best thing that probably most of us can do right now is hold our, uh, is keep our powder dry, support President Trump and his team. They are the only ones, whether uh, we like them personally or not. And I like President Trump. I have no problems with him whatsoever. Some people may feel like his style is not what they love or whatever, but he's what we have. He is the only thing we have. He, without him, there is nothing on our side. Nothing. So we'd better um, have the mindset that we will be there when we are called upon. But again, unless you feel like you can actually contribute and not in a frivolous way, but in a real way, the best thing you can do is just support the president, cast your vote. Uh, the president called upon many people, as many as possible, to volunteer, to serve as observers, to get trained and to serve as observers in polling stations and so on. I think that's very important. Reporting any shenanigans that you may see in your neighborhood when it comes to elections, like dumped ballots, you know, things of that nature, that's very important. Uh, report them. There's uh, people that will listen to you. Those things mean a lot for the upcoming battle of Gog and Magog, you know, the children of light and the children of darkness. And so in terms of uh, choosing to be free, each and, each and every one of us has to make their own decisions. Each and every one of us has to figure out how we can contribute to the cause of freedom 
But just like they say in airplanes, you know, in the case of an accident when those oxygen masks fall down from the ceiling or drop down from the ceiling, remember what they always say. First, put on your own mask. Then, help others. So please do that. Do not put your own freedom at risk. Make sure that you are okay and then help others. Stay free, my friends. Choose to be free. See you next time.